flipped everything on its head, and it gives us more of God's perspective than the, the worldly perspective. A lot of the Sermon on the Mount is about that. It just takes an issue or it, it takes uh, of the way we look at something and it, it puts God's stamp on it. And it shows what it's, what it's like to live a uniquely Christian life. And it shows how, how Christians are, are to be different sometimes in the world around us. Our passage today talks about one of the reasons why God wants us to be different and, and why God gives us his worldview and, and what is supposed to come of that. Uh, so we're going to continue uh, today and, and read the passage immediately after the Beatitudes, but let's pray before we open God's word. Lord, it's a good day to gather together. It's a good day to... Um, to meet, to hear from you about what it looks like for us to be your people and, and what it looks like for us to, to be the presence of Christ in the world. God, as we look at this passage, I pray that, that the words today would be your words. I, I pray that whatever it is that you desire for us to, to hear and to take away from that Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give that to us. I pray that you would, you would use this to, to shape all of us today, and that you would use it to, to make us more of who you desire for us to be. God, we give this time to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our passage is from Matthew 5, and we'll be reading verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a passage that's, that's probably pretty familiar, especially if you've, you've been around church for a while. You've heard people talk about being the salt of the earth and being the light of the world. You know, we, we talk about being salt and light all the time, and, and they're they're images that Jesus used that sometimes I think have become so familiar to us that, that we don't think about them very much anymore. You know, they're just some of those Christian phrases that we rattle off and, and we expect that everyone gets what it means and, and that we all have, have this perspective. But, but sometimes familiarity, you know, it, it deadens the effect of what it was Jesus was trying to do. And... You know, I'll, I'll confess, th this summer I've, I've kind of slipped into like some teacher relapse and I've been doing some of the sixth grade things that, you know, the stuff that I used to really enjoy doing when I was teaching. I'm doing that to you again today a little bit, but we're going to take it beyond just hearing what it means to be salt and light and we're going to talk a little bit about what it, what it might look like to be salt and light in the world. Um, when we think about salt, and what it means for us to, to be the salt of the earth. What do we use salt for today? 
We, we use it for flavoring, right? And I, I went on this kind of heart-healthy diet, and so when you're making cornbread, you no longer put in the quarter teaspoon of salt, because that's going to make a huge difference. And the cornbread, it, it tastes good. I mean, it's still cornbread, but if you add a fourth of a teaspoon of salt, the cornbread is even better. No one disagrees. Yeah, people are laughing because they know. <laughs> they know that you miss the salt when it's not there. Cornbread is good, but it's even a little bit better with the salt in it. If, if that's our perspective of what Jesus means when he says, you're the salt of the earth, then, then what we think about is, well, life is good, but if you sprinkle a little Jesus in it, it's, it's just a little bit better. Right? You know, the world is good, but if, if there's a Christian in it, it's a little bit better. That's, that's our 20th century understanding of, of what it means to be the salt of the earth. If you think about an audience living in a desert 2,000 years ago, you know, salt was flavorful then, but it wasn't just about making things taste better. I, here. Who likes beef jerky? Yeah. Raise your hand first. Get a snack. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some hands up. All right. Oh, it's okay, they clean the floors. <laughs> Who else? How about this side? This side needs beef jerky. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Share. Good catch. Where else? Beef jerky? Yeah, pass them down. Oh, I don't Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> what else we got? I think we're going to be out before it gets to the skybox because I'm not going to humiliate myself that way. Share. <laughs> All right, you know what beef jerky is? You know, if you go to Wikipedia, they'll tell you how to make beef jerky. You know what the number two or number three ingredient in beef jerky just about always is? Salt, and you can kind of taste that. I think the number two ingredient in this one is sugar. I mean, they might correct me if I'm wrong because we can't just have salt. We need to add sugar to it as well. But you dry it out, you dehydrate it a little, you kind of warm it up, and, and you soak it in salt. And it makes beef jerky. I have over here some meat that we did almost the same thing with, just without salt. I bought this Wednesday morning, and I've had it, oh, that's good stuff. I've had it sitting outside in the Gladware since Wednesday morning, and when it gets juicy, I drain the juices out because you want to dehydrate it, and it's gotten a little leathery. Does anybody want some of this? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Skybox? <laughs> I'm just going to walk around with this for a little bit while I talk about it. Because I don't know if you're getting the full effect that I'm getting up here. You got the full effect? Okay. The thing is, you know, when we talk about the difference between what it looks like to be the presence of Christ in the world, to be 
salt in the world. That's the difference between this meat and the beef jerky. The difference here is salt. You know, it, it's not, we'll sprinkle a little Jesus in and add a little more flavor. It's, that's the difference between meat that's, that's rotting, meat that's turned, that's gone bad, that's going to have me teaching from this side of the stage, you know, and, and beef jerky that, honestly, I could have had five bags and not fed all of you. That's what it means for us to be the salt of the earth. You know, to be the salt of the earth is to be that preservative, to be that, that presence of Christ, to be the difference between, between this meat and the meat from over here. You know, that's, that's the importance that Jesus is getting at. That's what it is that I think he's, he's trying to show us. You know, we don't think about it much because we, really, we, don't, we don't need salt to keep our meat fresh anymore. We just need refrigeration. You know, we, we just need all those, those other ways that we keep things good. But when Jesus is talking about salt, I, I think he's saying that salt is what keeps you from smelling like this. You know, salt is what, what keeps the world from, from breaking down. Salt is, is the presence of Christ preserving a world that's, that's dying on its own. You're the light of the world. Can we shut the lights off? where I stepped. You are the light of the world. Now we're in a, in a pretty big room right now with several hundred people. Can anyone not see this? You know, if, if your eyes are just, just looking around the room, what is it that catches your attention right now? What is it that, that draws you? If you were in a dark room, you know, not, not this one where we, we feel kind of bound to our chairs. But if you're, you're in a dark place and there's this one light, you're going to walk toward that light. Now you're going to seek that light out. That light will draw you like a moth to a flame. When Jesus says we're to be the light of the world, this, this is the image that I think sometimes we forget about. You know, it, it's easy to talk about being the light of the world when you're in a place where, where the windows are just letting in the sun's light and everything is, is bright and shiny. When we think about a place where, where maybe there's darkness without, you know, light takes on a whole new meaning. The passage says, take your light and put it up on a stand and, and let people actually see it. It says, if you're in the darkness... You don't take the light and cover it up with a bowl. Okay, we can have the lights back on. When you cover it with the bowl, you notice what happens is not only can people not see it, the light itself it suffers. The light itself, you know, goes out. Light's not meant to exist just within itself.
when we're told to be the light of the world, when we're told to be the salt of the earth. The last verse here kind of sums up for us just, just what it is that that might look like, what it is that that means for us. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, the being light, being salt, it's not about drawing attention to ourselves. It's not, it's not us shining so that people say, hey, look, he's shiny. It's about drawing attention to God. Being salt and light is about living in a way where, where your, your good deeds, what it says, the way that you live shows the power and presence of God in this world. It, it shows that, that God must be there working in you and transforming you to bring that, that preservation, to bring that, that glow. That's what it looks like for us to be salt and light in the world. Now, different people have read this passage different ways, and they've, they've tried to live it out in different ways. And what we're going to do, and this is, again, where part of my like, getting a teacher fix is coming back in, we're going to get in small groups and we're going to do case studies. And, and someone actually used, hey, this sounds like school. It does. Because uh, the more you interact, you know, usually the better it sticks. You're going to be in groups of six-ish, people around you, your family, your row. You know, if, if there's someone around you you don't know, in, invite them into your group. Okay, but we have three different situations. And what I want you to do when you look through them, and I've got them on paper and we'll have them cycling through up on the screen, what I want you to do is to think about, is this an example of someone being the salt of the earth? Is this an example of someone being the light of the world? Okay, the first one is acceptance speeches. I've copied verbatim someone's acceptance speech where they got up, won an award, and said, boy, I'd really like to thank God. What do we think about that? Is that being salt and light? Uh, there are some discussion questions after each. Number two and this is becoming pretty common for people. You're walking down the street in the city, you turn a corner, and there's a guy there on the corner with his Bible open, and he's yelling at people. And he, he's just ripping them and telling them all the things that they do wrong. And when you ask him why he's doing that, he says, well, I'm, I'm a light up on a stand. Is that being salt and light? And the, the third one uh, is a believer who, who has uh, her own faith, but, but maybe keeps that more to herself uh, than to people who believe other things in her context because she wants to be loving or accepting or, or open to them. Okay, so find a group. I'm going to come around and hand out papers. We'll have the first one up here. If you don't know the people in your group, take a minute or two and introduce yourselves, you know, name, where you're from, favorite baseball team, something like that, so you can really know each other on a deep, meaningful level. You guys kind of have a few. I'm on.
You guys need one? I missed the people right in front. I didn't explain this before, but please, if you finish the first one, go on. Do all three. Discuss amongst it. Raise your hands if you need paper. Okay, you have a couple more minutes to finish up. If you haven't moved on to the last one or two, uh, take a look at them. If you're still introducing yourselves, you've done a great job with that. Move on to these so you have a few thoughts.
sit bubble. down. There's no laughing here. <laughs> no laughing. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't use that one much. Okay, wrap up that thought. With the first one, with the acceptance speech, can we have that back on there so I can read that? I'm speechless, oh my goodness, thank you. This is an honor. Um, I first wanna thank God, first and foremost, for just blessing me like this, my beautiful family. Um, my two beautiful boys for inspiring me every day, and my fans, this is for you. Thank you so much. What do you guys think about the acceptance speeches? Salt and light? No? Why not? Okay. Okay, so this may not lead you to praising God uh, because it's, you know, mention God, mention my boys, but without talking specifically about what God's done in your life. All right, what else? Anything else? I heard the word cliche. Does it matter who this is? Okay, if, this, if I told you this was David Robinson, and for those of you that, you know, have only started watching basketball lately, David Robinson played for the Spurs before Tim Duncan and then a little bit overlap, won a few championships. Every time when his team would win and you would hear him speaking, and actually most of the time when he would lose and you would hear him speaking, it would be about thanking God and talking about how good God has been to him. A couple of years ago, the NBA uh, began a, a kind of service, community service award that they give out every year and they've called it the David Robinson Award because that's how active he was year after year after year in his community. If this were him and, and he was accepting an award, does that change things? Yeah, if, if he's sincere about this, and it might feel a little more sincere to me coming from, from David Robinson. What about if this were Britney Spears at the MTV Music Video Awards? Which it was. And I'm, I don't know where she's at. I, I don't. I mean, she, she could be as sincere in this as, as he could be. But if what the passage says is not you're saved by your good works, but it's, it's your good works and not just your good words that point people to Christ. You know, sometimes we can say all the right things, but if it's not sincere, if, if we don't see that in someone's life, if we don't see that God's been present and powerful and, and life-changing for them, it's harder, it's harder for that to actually point someone to God, right? You know, that's, that's number one. Number two, you've gone down the street corner, you hear someone yelling and, and screaming and, you know, fire, brimstone. I need to be that, that light on the stand. 
What do you think about this guy? He doesn't understand grace. Yeah, th this light isn't all that attractive. This sounds a little more like, like a fire you see and you run away from it. I, I don't think this is light that, that leads anyone to praise God. You know, there, there was a guy who used to come into Iowa City when I was at school there, and every year, usually in the fall, he would stand in the middle of campus, like on the steps of the old Capitol, and, and for a week, he would just yell at people and, and tell them about all their sins and everything they've done wrong and why they're going to hell. And I never met anyone, ever, who responded to that with, boy, God is so good. You know, there's a point. There's a point where, where maybe people need to hear, hey, the world smells like this. Hey, you're walking in darkness. But honestly, if, if the whole point of what you're doing is not about grace, if it's not about the, the goodness, the love, the compassion of God, you know, if, if, it's, not, if it's not something that, that leads people in, into praising our Father in heaven, if it's not something that leads people into a relationship with God, all it does is drive them away. You know, is, is there a point at which people realize that they're living in this? Yeah. I mean, we, we know. We, we have those days. We see that in ourselves. We see that in our world. We don't need people to tell us that. What we need to hear about is that God has a plan to, to take us out of that. Uh, number three. And I'll be honest, there are probably times where we slip into each of these a little bit. I'm most likely to be like Sally. You know, because I, I do. I have that, that thought sometimes or that, that feeling inside myself that, that my faith is supposed to be a private thing. Faith is never supposed to be private. I mean, it's, it's personal. You know, we, we have a communal faith. We're on a journey together. But our, our faith is also personal because it's about the work of God inside each and every one who believes in him right? But it's never meant to be private. The Bible never, never talks about God coming to someone and, and saying, you know, really, I've, I've just shown you who I am. Don't go and, you know, don't share the good news with others. Don't lead others to Jesus. Sally's the one who's, who's been covered by a bowl. You know, Sally's the one who, who keeps her faith inside and I, I think the times when I've done that, you know, and maybe you could identify with this, it, my faith suffers. You know, our faith is never supposed to be something that we just hold on to tightly and, and don't give away. It's never supposed to be something that's, that's just for us. When we talk about what it means to be salt and light, and, and we think about how that looks in our lives or, or what that should be in our world. There, there are all kinds of examples, and I, I see it here all the time. You know, I, I see people who make those decisions, who, who go out and, and, and you see them love others, and you see them share the good news with others, and you see them help others in God's name. You know, when I went looking for a, a positive case study of, of what being salt and light uh, it's supposed to look like 
there was actually one at the introduction of a book I started reading this week uh, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, for those of you not really familiar, Bonhoeffer was uh, a German born, you know, early 20th century, early 1900s, who, as he went through school and he, he started teaching, he started writing, people thought, this is a man who's going to shape Christianity. Now, this is a man who, whose teachings just, just hit where we are right now and, and bring us closer to where, where God wants us to be. But at a, at a really young age, uh, he was in Germany when the Nazi party started to take over, and he said some things on the radio that people didn't want to hear uh, because the claim was that, you know, being a Nazi is kind of like being a Christian because, you know, there are times Christianity gets used that way. And he, he pointed out that there's a difference, you know, that, that, that what, what Hitler and his followers were doing isn't what God intended for their country, isn't what God intended for the world. And, and by challenging that, he ended up having to flee the country. He went to England for a while. He came to America for a while. On one of the last boats leaving our country, uh, headed back into Germany, uh, he returned because you know, it, it says he went there to live in community with other believers and, and to be teaching, to be guiding, to be walking with others, to be salt and light, to be the presence of Christ in a world that, that quite honestly was already pretty far gone. Uh, and he was caught, and he was put in jail, and, and moved from, from prison to prison uh, just ahead of, of things being liberated. Uh, one of the men that he was with in, in the last prison, uh, an English officer, wrote this, and as, as you hear this account of, of Bonhoeffer's life, what I want you to think about is how is this being salt and light? How is this an example of what it means to, to shine, to preserve in a, in a place that seems dark? It says, Bonhoeffer always seemed to me uh, to spread an atmosphere of happiness and joy over the least incident and profound gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. He was one of the very few persons I have ever met for whom God was real and always near. On Sunday, April 6, 1945, uh, Pastor Bonhoeffer conducted a little service of worship and spoke to us in a way that went to the heart of all of us. He found just the right words to express the spirit of our imprisonment, the thoughts and the resolutions it had brought us. He'd hardly ended his last prayer when the door opened and two civilians entered. They said, Pastor Bonhoeffer, come with us. That had only one meaning for all prisoners, the gallows. We said goodbye to him. He took me aside. This is the end, but for me it is the beginning of life. And the next day he was hanged in Flossenburg. Here's a man who's living in the midst of, of darkness so profound that I can't even understand. And, and in that context, in, in the place where God placed him, he was a light shining in the darkness. He was, he was someone pointing others to God. And, and for me, that's an example of, of maybe what it is God calls us to do and what God calls us to be. Take just a moment and close your eyes. And I want you to think about your, your neighborhood or your, your school or, or your place of business or a, somewhere where you spend a lot of time interacting with others. Think about the people there. Think about the situations they have going on in their lives.
Now imagine the lights go out. It's night, there's no moon, there's no stars. That same place, and the people in it are dark. What does it look like for you to be a light in that place? What does it look like for you to let your good deeds shine? To lead others to praising the goodness and the glory of God. Whatever it is that I think God has placed on your heart, whatever it is that, that he's shown you, I believe that that's what he's calling us to be. I, I believe that's his, that's his desire for you in being salt, in being light, in being the, the presence of Christ in this world. Let's join together in prayer. Father God, you are so good to us. You, you are so gracious and so loving. We're so grateful for those people in our lives who have been salt and who have helped to, to preserve us, who have, who have been light and who have just drawn us closer to you by knowing them. God, we pray uh, for guidance and we pray for wisdom. We pray for strength that you would help us to be that that light, to be that salt, to be your presence in a world that, that needs you so badly. God, we give all of this into your hands. Amen.